We rolling? We are. All right, episode four. I'm excited. It feels like it's been a week since we since we last recorded, since we last talked, and uh, boy, do we have a lot to talk about. Um, just like a quick, brief rundown. We're going to talk about every game from match week five. Uh, then we're going to jump in and do a preview of match week six. Uh, we got a fun little kind of like n- non-sports conversation at the end, and then uh, we'll wrap up the episode. But there's nowhere else we can start other than the most dramatic game of match week five, which kind of funny how it works out, uh, included our boys Manchester United when Manchester United left the London Stadium with three points and a 2-1 victory against West Ham. Um, Kind of run through the goals real quick. Ben Rama opened the scoring for West Ham in the 30th minute. Ronaldo equalized in the 35th minute. And then my guy, Jesse Lingard, scored an absolute, I mean, what a fucking goal. Just a little curler. In the 89th minute. Um, But, I mean, there's a lot to start about. A lot to talk about this game. Where do you want to start, Clark? Uh, We'll just start in the first half. Uh, We can start with team selection. Um, We were talking before the show. Uh, The big story is, well, not really a big story, but the big thing that stood out was that Santo got dropped. For Man United fans, is a big, big story. Yeah, um, it so. was it. It was more of a team selection thing, I think, uh, or like the squad that he chose. That's kind of why Sancho got dropped. I didn't agree with it. I would have dropped Greenwood and had Sancho go out there. Um, and I'll explain in a second. Uh, I think but he from- he he went with a a uh, midfield of McTominay, Fred, and Fernandez, and then he threw Pogba off onto the left. So yeah, he essentially, instead of going with three attackers. He put on an extra midfielder and went with like two true attackers, which is fine because Pogba has been thriving in that left wing role um, this season. However, I, I'm I think he was worried whenever it was a, we it was play a, a more it was attacking a team. Move yeah, whenever we play a more attacking team, you'll see uh, Mc, uh, McFred, McTominay, and Fred. <laughs> uh, so, McFred, like whenever when we play Chelsea, Man City, Liverpool, you're gonna see McFred. It's just gonna be there. Because they're going to have more of the ball than we are. Um, yeah. And for so, like, Mikel Antonio was suspended for that game. So, like, when the team. Thank God. Yeah. When the team sheet came out, I was like, you know, why are you going defensive with Antonio out? Um, but then I thought about it for a second. I really think he just went defensive, like, as kind of like an excuse to drop Sancho. That's yeah. kind of my take on it. Maybe. Um, one, one of the things that it was, it was interesting with this squad was with Pogba and Greenwood. So Pogba is a midfielder, so he's going to drift inside. And then you have Greenwood, who's really a striker, so he drifts onside, inside. So the, there was no outside space. So the only person putting in crosses were Shaw and Basaka, and Basaka can't cross the ball for shit. So the only real crossing option was uh, Shaw, which was a little concerning. Well, speaking of crosses, I think that we should just like briefly mention uh, the first half goals real quick. Um, ben Rama for West Ham got the first goal in the 30th minute. I mean, it was just super unlucky, like a wicked deflection. Yeah, it was a nasty deflection. Nothing you can really do about that one. But I was really, really happy with our response because Ronaldo equalized five minutes later off of a beautiful cross from Bruno. He's insane. I mean, four goals in three games already. (laughs) And also, so like Ronaldo got that goal five minutes after West Ham scored. I think two minutes after West Ham scored, like Fabianski made a unbelievable save on Fernandez off of a corner. Mm-hmm. It was that one, like he got a hand on it and it went off the, um, it went off the, the fucking woodwork. And yep. yeah, it was like, that was Bruno was really unlucky not to score there. Um, but boy was the second half full of drama. I mean, should we just kind of go like an order the second half? Uh, the first yeah. thing I want to talk about was um, the Zuma challenge on Ronaldo. Uh, so Ronaldo went down twice in the penalty box in the second half. Um, he went down three times. One was bullshit, but the other two could have been penalties. Yeah. The one, the last one for me, um, mm-hmm. the challenge from Zuma and it actually went to VAR and VAR confirmed that it wasn't a penalty. I fucking lost it. Cause to me, that's like, that's a clear foul in the box, like a clear foul on a goal scoring opportunity and like the fact that that went to VAR and they confirmed the decision on the field, like I just don't understand it. 
No, it didn't make any sense. He clearly got all of them. And Zuma even got up and started laughing when the ref said uh, there was no penalty because he was like, oh, I just got away with that shit. Yeah, and Ronaldo's face was just like, are you fucking kidding? Again? Again, y'all aren't going to give me a penalty? Yeah, like, I don't know if there's just, like, kind of bias against Cristiano because, like, obviously there's times where he's kind of, like, he's a smart player. He's trying to draw penalties uh, from time to time. But, like, I kind of, after the game, I, like, went on, like, YouTube, was looking at, like, Sky Sports and different, like, pundit reactions from England. And it seemed like the consistency that everyone was, like, that was a clear penalty. And, like, yeah. what the hell is Anthony Taylor doing? The refs even um, met up. They have, like, a um, two-week meeting every every two weeks or whatever. And they were even told that, like, that was a clear penalty. Yeah, and obviously but if that... I love those. I love those meetings. Hey, we know we were wrong. We're sorry. It's like, but nothing would happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it doesn't doesn't really help help no. to come out after the game and say, yeah, we fucked up. Um, but the winning goal that Jesse Lingard scored in the 89th minute, what a fucking goal. And, I mean, I couldn't be happy for Jesse Lingard. We talked about him a lot um, on last week's episode, and boy, did he redeem himself. He did. He did. He just, I mean... There's no, he let his uh, play do the talking. Really, he came out and he said he was sorry, and he he did not drop in form at all. Yeah, so and him and it was awesome and Sancho, to see. That. Him and Sancho both came on. I think like around the seventieth minute. Sancho did not do it jack shit. Like once he mm-hmm. came on, but it's kind of like harsh because he's only on the pitch for twenty minutes. Yeah. But Lingard did make like even like goal aside, like he was very positive and definitely made an impact when he came on the field. Yeah, he did. He looked really and good. I do want to say on that one, he put Zuma in a fucking blender on that. <laughs> like, yeah, I was like, damn, like Zuma was like, man. After right. the game, it was it was funny seeing all the p- pictures on Twitter of all these sad West Ham fans leaving the stadium with Lingard jerseys on. <laughs> and <laughs> and it's, that's just it's also like, that's a good point because it's just funny like how kind of life and how soccer works. It's like, it had to happen. Like Lingard gave up the crazy own goal last week, and then he gets the winner at West Ham, like where yeah. he kind of like tore up last season. I mean, yeah. just funny how that works. But obviously, the biggest talking point from the game was the penalty that was awarded in injury time to West Ham that was conceded or kind of given up by Luke Shaw. Um, I guess first, I mean, did you think it was a penalty? Yes, it was technically. Yeah, I. I it was but 100% a penalty for me. I don't think his hand was in an unnatural. I think the wording of the penalty is the rule of the penalty is a little strange. So if your hand is in an unnatural position, then it, you should be awarded a um, penalty. That's a handball. Yeah. If you are running and jumping at a ball, there's nowhere else to put your arm. It's just momentum. So I don't think it's unnatural, but the way the rules are, I mean, just, how we've seen it being awarded in the past, it's just a handball. It is. Yeah. So this is how I have it written down in my notes. Luke Shaw, what the hell are you doing? You cannot never extend your arm in the box. Like you just, if you have to put, I mean, you see guys do it. If you have to put your hands behind your back, so be it. It's like, you just know if you extend your arm and the ball hits your arm, it's going to be a penalty every time. That's just, it, those are the rules. You kind of, you got to play by the rules. Um, yeah. But, you know, under that in my notes, it has David De Gea. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, after missing 12 penalty saves in the uh, knockouts of the Europas, he finally gets one. That was Gosh, karma. That's... That was karma because we were like clearly the better team and like so deserved to get the three points in that game. Like, uh, I feel like t- we would have been gotta, hard done. If- you got to talk about Mark Noble coming in first, first touch of the game. I mean, like, so, I mean, I don't get like, are these managers ever going to learn? I mean, you saw Garrett Southgate do it in the summer at the Euros when he brought Sancho and Rashford on. It's like you bringing guys off of the bench, you know, Noble literally stood up, he was sitting down, got off off the bench, watched the touchline, and then ran to the field to grab the ball. He, the dude didn't even have time to stretch. In hindsight, it was hilarious watching him come in, grab the ball, start high-fiving everyone like, yeah, yeah, I got this. I mean, <laughs> like when you think about it, it is insane to literally pick someone off the bench who's had zero impact or involvement in a game and pretty much say, hey, I want you to trot on the field. 
and you are single-handedly going to decide the outcome of this match. Yeah. Who would I would have had Declan Rice? Yeah, I mean, take it. you got your your. I mean, supposedly, you know, hundred million, million pound player, hundred million pound midfielder who started every game for England, and your coach doesn't like trust him to take the penalty. I mean, it makes absolutely no sense. It's like, when are managers ever going to learn? I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on it because it's like kind of beating a dead horse. Like, I've. Like, I understand Mark Noble. He's, like, a West Ham legend. But it's just, like, mm-hmm. all kind of avenues of common sense would tell you that that's a bad decision. Yeah. Um, um, my key takeaways from the game were, uh, besides Renato just being automatic, coming in and everyone saying that the Premier League is going to be too physical and all that stuff, that hasn't worked out. He still looks like CR7. His um, movement in the box is just, like, it's unbelievable. It's world-class. And then... I would say one thing to take to keep an eye on as the season progresses is we are very open to counterattacks. Um, every time that they get the we give away a lot of sloppy passes in the midfield. So there's a lot of times where teams can break on us, and it's just I Veron think, I think part of it is kind of like the almost like arrogant attitude of just like knowing how talented the team is and like how talented all the individual players know that they are. And sometimes it's like, it's like they think they think a little bit too highly of themselves and they think that Mm -hmm. they can do a little bit more than they really can. Yeah. It's just something to keep an eye on. Um, But but that wasn't my only, like the goal was, I mean, there's nothing you can do about that. It was just a stupid deflection. Just a wicked, wicked deflection. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the good guys win. The good guys walk away with three points, and we are still standing at the top of the table. So that's, yes, we are. All right, so let's run through the under, other games of Match Week Five. Uh, the first game of Match Week Five happened on Friday afternoon, um, and Leeds drew with Newcastle one-one at St James Park. Um, overall, I thought it was a pretty boring game, and that really the draw was like deserved for both teams. Um, really, neither team did enough to deserve three points for me. Uh, but Alex St. Massaman for Newcastle, great, great individual goal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I and think re- just Here, Leeds, it, Leeds should be scoring more against Newcastle. Yeah. Well, so this is kind of like my big takeaway from that game is that both teams look to be in big, big trouble moving forward. Um, yeah. I think – I was a little bit too high on Leeds coming into the season because of what they did last year. I mean, they clearly do not just don't give a fuck about defending. Like they really don't. Just that's do all Bielsa. That's all their yeah. manager too. That's how he plays. And last year it worked because they were scoring a lot of goals. This year they aren't scoring goals. And if they keep defending like that, they will be relegated. I mean, yeah. it's just it's over a thirty-eight game season. Like if they just don't even attempt to defend, um, yeah. And I th- obviously Newcastle like. If I had to bet right now, I think that they're going to get relegated. Yeah, um, and shit. Actually, the Newcastle fans, like in the second half, like we're pretty much chanting for the entire second half for uh, Steve Bruce out. So that's just <laughs> like, that Steve Bruce. <laughs> yeah, but so we had a lot of games on Saturday. Um, the first one in the morning, Brentford secured a 2-0 victory um, at on the road at Molyneux um, at Wolves. Uh, just a huge, huge away, away win for Brentford. Um, and, and they... They definitely deserve the win. It was a fun game. Very attacking. It was up it was, and down. It was the uh, Ivan Tony show for me. It was. Uh, that penalty that Brent, uh, that Wolves uh, committed on him was hilarious. He just got football tackled on a yeah, like American say, football tackle. A form tackle. Like you don't really <laughs> see goals like like that or penalties like that too often. But the corner, the cross is coming to the near post. Tiny get, Tony gets in front of the uh, – defender and he's going to head the ball the dude literally just grabs him around the waist form Mm -hmm. form tackle um Uh, i mean my other my other takeaway was that Wolves was in classic form and they missed basically every single chance that came to them well do you want to take a guess do you want to take a guess at how many shots on target wolves had oh god they're always in the high uh 22 zero I don't know how many shots, but oh, zero, on tar- zero shots on target. On target. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Zero shots on target. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I mean, 
and then I, kind of, I had this written down in my notes. I want to ask you, I mean, we've, t- we've kind of joked around a lot about Wolves, you know, inability to finish uh, chances and score goals. I mean, do you think it's time to really start worrying, worrying for Wolves? Because if this trend continue, continues, they will find themselves in deep, deep trouble. No, because they still create the chances. So at one point, they've got to, they've got to make some of them. And I, I mean, know. you got to think that. But like, I just think playing, there's worse they're teams. Brentford, they're playing Brentford at home, and they can't get it done. I like Brentford, though. I don't think they're going to. Yeah, I do, too. I like watching yeah. Ivan Tony. He's fun. Um, yeah. But the next game, this is also a big game for one of the uh, big six clubs. And Arsenal secured a 1-0 victory on the road at Burnley. Um, I, what I, a strike. I normally, what a strike from Odegaard. I mean. Yeah. I normally take notes on every game, but I just couldn't be bothered. I just, I'm sorry. I couldn't be bothered. Yeah, Burnley, obviously. I can't, I can't watch them. And Arsenal's just really boring too. But I did well, see Odegaard's goal. It was incredible. Yeah, the, the free kick was unbelievable. Um, it kind of shows you like why Arsenal spent like 30 something million pounds on him in the summer, um, you know, he's got that in his locker. I mean, it yeah. does. And that, uh, I mean, obviously that was the deciding factor in the game. Um, but I do want to say the performance was not great from Arsenal. Yeah, just a real mid-table it, well, clash. Yeah, that's. I mean, <laughs> Arsenal's attack is extremely concerning. Like, they have a lot of attacking talent, but they just, like, they are not a threat going forward at all. Like, I don't know no. what it is. They just... They've gotten like nothing going forward, and Bamiang like, and uh, Lagazette have fallen off a cliff since yeah. twenty nineteen. I mean, on Saturday up top, you had Odegaard as an attacking midfielder with Abamyang, uh, Nico Pepe, who they spent a ton of money on, and uh, Saka, and it's just like there was no attacking threat. I mean, Burnley, other than that free kick, I mean, Arsenal really didn't create many chances. But I do want to say. Um, you know, we usually shit on Arsenal a lot, and that their attack is very concerning. However, um, their defense has been extremely positive the last two games. Um, and I do want to kind of give a shout out since Aaron Ramsdale came into their game, in, came into the team. Uh, they haven't conceded a goal, um, and the guy that they got, Tomiyasu, the uh, mm-hmm. I think yeah. Japanese, he yeah. plays right back. Um, he looked good. And then yeah, Gabriel, the center back. And Partey, since those those three have started the last two games, and they look like a different team at the back with those those guys on the team. So we should on Arsenal, but we got to call it how we see it. And their defense does look a lot better. However, the last two games they played were Norwich at home and Berlin. I was about to say. So <laughs> I was about to say. You got to take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> those two teams don't score. So yeah. Um, all right, moving on. Liverpool secured a 3-0 victory against Crystal Palace at home. Um, I mean, Liverpool just chugs along. And another 3-0 victory for Liverpool. You know um, what's interesting? It, it's something you don't see a lot. They, all three goals were on corners. That like never happens. Yeah, Sadio Mane got the first one. I shit on Sadio Mane a lot, lot last week. And my, I mean, he scored this week. I mean, I haven't changed my opinion because no. I think I could have scored that goal. Um, yeah, Salah scored again, and then Nabi Keita put in a worldie from outside the box. What a goal. Like, yeah. What what a goal. Um, but I do want to say kind of my main takeaway from this game is that it looks like it's going to be like near impossible. I mean, at least very hard to beat Liverpool at Anfield this year. I remember two years ago when they had their title winning season, they ran away from everyone. I mean, Anfield was a fortress. Like you were not <laughs> – no one was getting points at Anfield. Um, and you know, with the fans back this year, Anfield looks like it's back to being a fortress. Like at, they, yeah, at home, like they are, they are tough, tough to play against at Anfield. That's um, the one big six manager that Ollie struggles with too, which is he he hasn't played Klopp well. Yeah, and then I mean, I think it's kind of fair to say through the first five games, I mean, Liverpool is going to be in that title chase. Oh yeah, long. absolutely. They're going to yeah. be right there the whole time. Um, they are with, the their depth is a very big worry though. If, I mean, only a couple injuries and they're out of it. Well, I mean, you saw it last year. Yeah, they don't have they're, they're they done. don't have any depth. So going through Europe too, 
it'll be interesting to see how that affects them with having to rotate squads. Yeah. Also, have you heard about the, uh, like the, I think it's the African nations cup. Yeah. But they're, yeah. Yeah. December. So the African nations cup is going to, I think it the first game is like January 9th and it goes through the middle of February and, um, pretty much all the African teams are going to be playing in it. I think it's like tied in with world cup qualifying somehow, mm-hmm. but Liverpool for essentially like a month and a half to two months of the premier league season is going to be without Sadio Mane, Mo Salah, and uh, the center back, not Van Dyke, a Matip. Mm. Without all, like all those guys, so that, and which is going to be huge. That's yeah, tough. I think City they're going to have uh, Mar Mares is going to be out uh, for us. We Where's Riyad uh, Mares from? Is he from Egypt too? I know he plays for one of the African teams, but I'm not going to okay. guess right now because I'll fuck it up really bad. Okay. Um, well, but United, yeah. I think we only lose Bailly. Eric Bailly, so Yeah. We'll be <laughs> so whatever. And Ahmad uh, Diallo. Yeah. They're both from but the Cote d'Arvis. Moving on here, a very, very positive result in a game that I thoroughly enjoyed watching this weekend. Um, Manchester City drew 0-0 at home against Southampton. Um, so yeah. obviously, before that game... Uh, after their Champions League game midweek against RB Leipzig, uh, Pep Guardiola essentially begged Manchester City fans to come <laughs> watch them at the weekend against Southampton because the stadium was like half empty midweek for their Champions League opener at home against RB Leipzig. Mm-hmm. And the fans that did show up for Pep got to watch a snooze fest. Mm-hmm. An absolute snooze fest. And actually, that game was... I think that game summed up by our prediction, our prediction episode. They, they're just missing a, a straightforward number well, nine down the we'll middle. Get, we'll get to that. There is an incident in the game that I want to talk about because I actually think City was lucky to secure a point because of the Kyle Walker VAR incident that happened in the second half. Did you see that? I did not. I didn't see it. So tell okay, me about so it. So Kyle Walker makes a challenge in the box. The referee initially gives a penalty, gives Kyle Walker a red card, sends him off. Mm-hmm. So it goes to VAR. And for me, like this was without a doubt a clear penalty. The only decision was whether or not it should be a red or yellow card. I thought mm-hmm. red was a little harsh at first, but I'm thinking, you know, VAR is going to keep the penalty and probably just give him a yellow card, lumps down the field. And then City will, you know, have a chance to come back and at least tie or win the game. Um, but the VAR comes back. And not only do they resend the red card, but they say it's not a foul. What? No penalty. I mean, VAR must have just been waiting for the wire transfer from the United Arab no, Emirates. Whoever was operating in. VAR in England was fucking <laughs> drunk. Like, there's a game in the championship I'm going to talk about at the end of this episode. VAR <laughs> in England this weekend was fucked. Like, whoever was in the VAR center... I need whatever they're smoking. Let's just say yeah. that. Like, it, yeah. it was bad. Like, this is a clear <laughs> foul in the box. The only decision was whether it should be a red or yellow. And they come back and say, not only are we taking the red away, but we're not even giving the penalty. Like, it should have been a clear penalty for Southampton. This is like the 70th minute. Southampton probably would have gone up 1-0. So City was really lucky to walk away at the point. Uh, but kind of how you mentioned a second ago, I mean, the talk – the really big talking point from this game is city had one shot on target and it came in the 90th minute. And. Oh, I'm watching it now. That's a clear foul. Yeah. I mean, like, are, is are that like, that's a foul. And he, the, the crazy thing is. That's not a red. It, he called it's not it a, a red card, but it's a gave, foul. The crazy yeah. thing though, is that he called the penalty and gave him a red initially. And then took the red away. It took the foul away. Like, I, I don't get it. Uh, City got lucky there. Um, but, I mean, the big talking point is City doesn't have a striker. They got no one up top. Like, Ferran Torres going down the middle. I mean, he's a solid young player. But, I mean, City just, they don't have a physical presence up top. And I think, I mean, we talked about this. It's early, but I don't think that they're going to be able to keep pace with United, Liverpool, and Chelsea without mm-hmm. like a physical goal scorer. Not even physical, but just like they don't have a goal scorer. Like Sergio Aguero, he just had a knack for scoring goals, mm-hmm. and they just don't have a guy like that anymore. 
I think they're um, still going to be. I mean, obviously they're still going to be in the in the race because they have so much talent. Yeah, but they'll be right there. I think it's just like, they just. I don't. It's going to keep them from the Champions League, and it's going to keep them from being at the top of the table. I think this year the the competition in the Premier League is so good that you know no draws against Southampton at home aren't going to aren't going to win you the title this. That's season. why the West Ham game is so big for United because those are the games that determine championships when you Absolutely. come to Absolutely. Um, and I do just want to say, like, quickly, we got to shout out Southampton because it was a sh- really, really gritty, gutsy performance mm-hmm. on the road from Southampton. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a well-deserved point. They probably should have gotten three points because, in my opinion, they should have had the penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, but neither here nor there. All right, moving on. An interesting game between two teams who I think are probably going to finish – well, one who's going to finish last in the Premier League. Um but Watford secured a 3-1 victory on the road at Norwich. Um, Saar got a double for Watford. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, Watford was like clearly the better team and deserved That's win. exactly what I have written down. They were clearly the better team. Norwich are just shit. Yeah, and then so I do want to say like for me, it's like if Norwich is losing games at home against Watford, there is zero chance that they stay up. Like No. I mean, if Norwich had any chance of staying up, like those are the kind of games you have to win. They have one player, Pookie, and he's not even that good. Yeah, he's he's just their only striker. But <laughs> I do want to score for him. I have an in- interesting little stat here. So obviously, Norwich played last season in the championship, but the year before that, the 2019 2020 season, they played in the Premier League, and including including the first five games of this season. And dating back to the 2019-2020 season, uh, Norwich City and their manager, who looks like Lord Lord Farquaad from Shrek, have lost 17 consecutive Premier League games. Jesus Christ. So they have currently, not like draws and lot, like they have lost 17 straight Premier League games. That's awful. Yeah. And I mean, it looks like that streak's probably going to continue here throughout the rest of the season. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about later. Yeah. But moving on, the last game on Saturday for match week five, Aston Villa secured a 3-0 victory at home against Everton um, at Villa Park. Um, as you predicted last week, mm-hmm. Everton's going to Everton. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what happened. I mean, yeah. uh, it was a really, it was actually really competitive until about the 65th minute. And I then, had that written down exactly. Yeah, it was really Aston Villa scored three goals in 10 minutes, and it was over. After the first goal, it looked like Everton just crumbled. Yeah, Damari Gray had a lot of chances. He just kept hitting it wide. Um, it was obviously Leon Bailey had his first really good game for Aston Villa. Yeah, so um, Matthew Cash, right back for Aston Villa, shout out. Is he that what his name goal. was? Okay. Yeah, Matthew Cash. He got his first goal for the club, and it was a really good goal. Um, mm-hmm. A great run down the down the right side. And then, as you mentioned, Leon Bailey got his first goal for the club, and it was an absolute heat-seeking missile. Mm-hmm. Like the pace on that one, like <laughs> it looked like the Everton goalie was scared of the ball. It was coming to, like it. He hit it right at the Everton goalie. And I literally looked like the goalie like got out of the way. Cause he was scared at how fast the ball was coming out. Yeah. Like, he, he also scored directly from a corner, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I, it's a good, it, it's a good deflection. But, yeah. They gave it, oh, did goal, it? but oh, they yeah. Did. Okay. yeah, I think they gave us a Lucas Digny or Digne. Digne. Yeah, however yeah. you want to say it. They gave him an own goal. Um, but we already talked about the United game, but there were two other games on Sunday that we need to talk about. And the first one was one of my favorite teams, Brighton securing a 2-1 victory at home against Leicester City. Um, what a win. For, like, huge, huge win yeah. for Brighton. Um, they got four, four wins for Brighton in five games to start the season. Um, and I just want to kind of mentioned this. So last year it took Brighton half the season. It took Brighton 19 games to get their fourth win this year. They got their fourth win in their fifth game. Yeah. They look incredible this year. What a start. I put my hands up when I was wrong. I said that Lester, I would be very surprised if Lester lost. And you know what? They Brian just is rolling through these teams. Well, it was a great result, but I do want to say like it was somewhat lucky uh, both goals for Brighton came off of the set piece. The first one was a penalty in the first half. Um, did you see like the handball thing? It was cr- it was kind of like a crazy situation. Yeah. yeah. Um. So like Vestergaard, it was a clear handball. Like his hand was up in the air, 
but I was kind of surprised VAR did not overturn it because the scumbag, uh, Maupai, who, like, he is a scumbag. Like, he tries to hurt goalies, and, like, he has that reputation. Like, he's a dirty player. Um, he was, like, pinning Vestergaard's other arm, like, down. And, like, mm-hmm. naturally, when you have your arm, like, it's going to make your body, like, lean up. So it looked like it, when you first look, you're like, what the hell is Vestergaard doing? But then you see Maupai is, like, be, Maupai is being Maupai, like being mm-hmm. a scumbag. Um, yeah, so, and then Maupai took the penalty, scored it. Um, of course. Danny Welbeck, Welbeck, great mm-hmm. header. Welbeck. Yeah, great header, start the second half. I do want to mention there real quick, did you see the Lester goal? No, I didn't. It was probably my favorite goal of the weekend. Ooh, I'll look like an unbelievable team goal. There's like five or six passes in the buildup. They're all, no one takes uh, more than one touch, like all first time passes. And it's just like a great, great team goal. Like if you were a soccer coach and you were teaching your team, like this is a clip that you would show the team and be like, this is what you are striving to be when you walk onto the pitch. And then final game was another big one, a London Derby. Are you going oh, to sorry. Watch it? I don't No, I don't have it. No, go ahead. All right. So Chelsea getting a 3-0 victory on the road at Tottenham. And I mean, there's a lot to talk about from this game. Um so Sorry, I was just watching that. I was watching that goal. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was nice, wasn't it? <laughs> like, yeah, it was. Nice. Um, but with Tottenham-Chelsea, t- I thought Tottenham was actually the better team in the first half. Like, without a doubt, they were the better team no, in the yeah, first half. No, yeah, absolutely. I had the same thing, yeah. But Chelsea brought N'Golo Conte on at halftime. And, you know, like, he he's a world-class footballer. And they were just – they looked like a different team in the second half um, mm-hmm. after they brought him on. Uh, for the goals, um, a vicious help, vicious header from Thiago Silva for Chelsea to open the scoring. Conte got like the luckiest deflection of all time uh, for their second goal. But then the third yep. goal in injury time, Rudiger, I mean, took his, I mean, took that one like a striker. He played center back. Yeah, I mean, he, he he was doing <laughs> his best uh, Romelu Lukaku impression there. Um, just kind of from a Chelsea perspective, before we talk about Tottenham real quick because there's a big guy up top from Tottenham that we need to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but from a Chelsea perspective, I was just extremely impressed by them. Performance aside, being able to get a result, a 3-0 away result against Tottenham without Lukaku mm-hmm. scoring. I think like yeah. for me, that was the most impressive thing. And it's like, if they're scoring three goals at Tottenham without Lukaku scoring, they're going to be tough to beat. Like really, yeah. really tough to beat this season. Yeah, uh, it should have been probably been like three one because Son had a really just clear chance, but he just ballsed it up and tripped. But yeah, I yeah. mean, should we talk about Chelsea's? Tottenham? I think Chelsea's the clear favorite right now. Yeah, absolutely, without a doubt. I think that they're for me, they're the best team in Europe right now. Yeah, um, not just the Premier League. I think um, maybe Bayern might be in there with them. Yeah, Bayern's definitely up there, and PSG. Um, mm-hmm. But for Tottenham, this is now two back-to-back 3-0 losses. Um, and boy, do we need to talk about Harry Kane. Because for me, so Harry Kane has played four Premier League games this season. He didn't play the first game against City. But in those four Premier League games, he has 10 touches on the ball in the opponent's box and zero chances created, zero goals. Um, and for me, this is kind of like just my opinion he looks frustrated and disinterested. I'm not really question. I'm not questioning his effort. Like he's putting effort in, but you can just tell. Like you can just tell he he doesn't want to be playing for Tottenham. Yeah, he know yeah. he knows I, he's not going to win anything. Like mm-hmm. he knows the team that they have, and he knows that they don't have a squad good enough to compete for a Premier League title. Um, they're they're playing in Europa. They're playing in the Conference League. Yeah, the um, Europa Conference League, which is new. Yeah. Just a, um, another bullshit competition. <laughs> but so obviously Harry Kane is not playing well. But what I want to talk about kind of on the Harry Kane point is, I mean, it's got to be super frustrating for him to see what Ronaldo and Lukaku are doing at United and Chelsea. Oh, that probably pisses him off. 
while he's pretty much trapped at Tottenham right now. Yeah. It'd and be then, interesting if if Man City comes back in January and says here's 200 million again. If you're Tottenham, I've, you gotta take it. Well, yeah. But I don't it, know if Man City's gonna want to do that now. I think City's gonna probably just try to wait and like throw everything on the table at Holland. Um, but I do just kind of want to like using Harry Kane as an example right now. I think it's like when are clubs gonna learn, and they're, they're eventually gonna learn. But when a star, like a world-class player, goes to the club and says, I don't want to play for you anymore. I want to transfer, and this is who I want to go for. And like this is where I want to move to. Um, it doesn't do good for either side to just say, nope, we're pretty much holding you hostage here at the club. like, Because you're not going to get 100% Harry Kane if you're Tottenham. And it's also like you just turn down a shit ton of money for him in the summer and it's just like it doesn't do good for the player or the club it's like when are clubs gonna learn i will say it depends on the character of the player because the same situation's been going on with pogba for the past three years but pogba's never dropped in performance he has put it out into the ether through his uh, through his agent that he wants to leave and we've continually said okay that's fine but we want a fair price that fair price has never come and pogba to his credit, has never dropped. He's never not tried. He's gone through like slow patches where he looks a little worse, but every player does that. I, I think it, a lot of it, it depends on the character of the player. I agree I think, with the yeah. the Pogba situation there. The thing with Harry Kane, though, is City offered more than a fair price for Harry Kane this summer. That's like, the point, yeah. I mean, 130 million pounds, 150 million U.S., and Mm -hmm. Tottenham turned that down. Like, I mean, I've done a lot of business school, a lot of business classes (laughs) in the last five years throughout my undergrad and master's. And there's just like, from a business perspective, there's like no reason to turn down what city offered. Yeah. It's just, it makes no sense. Um, yeah, but yeah, those are all the games for match week five. It's a great weekend of games. Um, so obviously midweek this week, we had the Carabao cup United, was sent packing, sent home, took one no loss at home against West Ham. Uh, this might be a hot take, but I do not give a fuck. No, I don't either. It's a it was a f- absolutely fully rotated squad. Like yeah, I there, mean, was no, there was there was not the United really a, team. It was, and but I guess I mean I heard, I did hear see other United fans who were disappointed, saying, "Well, it was West Ham's B team," and I get that. I just don't understand the competition. Yeah, it's, for me, like, you already have the FA Cup in England, which is a big deal in England, like it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really just think, like, you don't need to have two cup competitions, and the Carabao Cup, for me, really just takes away from the FA Cup. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. It's not um, a big deal. Uh, we didn't we didn't play particularly well, and I don't think there's really that much to say about it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I watched- besides the fact that uh, I think it's Anthony Martial's that's the last time I ever want to see him in a United jersey because he's yeah, absolute trash. He played horrible, and then like funny, like less than twenty four hours later, you see all these reports that's essentially like United forty ready million, to move- and he's out. Yeah, yeah, they're ready to more than ready to move on. Yeah, um, and it was like all the backs him in a press conference. Well, yeah, of course he does. You don't say your players shit because then you can't sell them. Yeah. But, of course he's going to so, say he's good. We got a big, big weekend in the Premier League coming up with Match Week 6. But before we kind of talk about Match Week 6 real quick, I just want to go over the Premier League table as we stand really quickly. Um, I'm just going to talk about like the first five or six teams. Um, so Chelsea, Liverpool, and Manchester United um, are all tied at the top of the table on 13 points. Mm-hmm. Um, Brighton currently sits in fourth place. With 12 points. Um, And then Manchester City and Everton are tied um, in fifth and sixth place on 10 Mm -hmm. points. Um, And then quickly, we just. Where's Villa and Leicester? Villa is currently in 10th and Leicester is in 12th. Uh, Villa has seven points and Leicester has six. Um, And then at the bottom of the table in the relegation zone, uh, Newcastle is currently sitting in 18th with. Mm -hmm two points to their first five games. 
Burnley is sitting in 19th with one point mm-hmm. through their first five games. And as you mentioned earlier, Norwich is sitting at the bottom of the table with zero points through their first five games. Mm-hmm. But I'm excited to talk about match week six because we got two absolute bangers to start off the weekend. Yes, we do. It's going to be an early, early Saturday for me because at 6.30 Central on Saturday morning, not only do we have Manchester United hosting Aston Villa at Old Trafford, but we also have Chelsea hosting Manchester City at Stamford Bridge in London. Two absolute bangers to start off the weekend. I mean, where do you want to start there? Uh, let's start with the biggest game of the weekend. Chelsea yeah, City. Obviously. Chelsea at City. I mean, a huge, huge game. Uh, Chelsea coming off a big away win last week. Uh, City coming off a no-no draw. Uh, do you want to give a score prediction for this one? Hmm. Uh, 2-1 City. Yeah, so everyone, I think, is everyone and their mom's going to be picking Chelsea, but like, this is just one of those games that, like, everyone's kind of shitting on City right now. And I just have some feeling that City, like, I could see City winning like 3 0. Yeah. Like, something just crazy. Cause, like, City just seems like they always do that. Like, yeah, I they do. Know. And their defense is a lot better than anything that Chelsea's seen so far. I agree. I mean, I'm going to be hoping Chelsea wins, uh, but I'm also going to go. I'm going to go for a three nil win on the road at Stamford Bridge for Manchester City. I can't see Chelsea not scoring though. That's why I didn't go for a nil. Yeah, Lukaku didn't score last weekend, so you've got to think he'll probably get on the score sheet this weekend. Um, well, maybe the good juju will keep going. But at the same time. We got our boys in Manchester United hosting mm-hmm. Aston Villa at Old Trafford. We're obviously coming off a big win, but Aston Villa is also coming off a big win at home against Everton. Um, I mean, what do you think about this one? God, this is going to be – I don't even want to do a score protection, honestly. I don't know. It's We have I'm worried to get three about points this out of this game. I know. I'm really worried about this game. Uh, Two weeks ago, Chelsea played Villa at home, and Chelsea won 3-0. Um Villa was very competitive in that game, but like we, if we want to compete for the title, we have to win this weekend. Yeah, I just hope McFred's not out there. <laughs> Probably will be. Oh my god! I do watch Fred give the Honestly, ball away though, in the middle of the. If they roll out McFred, I won't be that mad because Villa does have like young attack, like attacking threats up top that have a lot of pace. So like I could understand mm-hmm. like just kind of being cautious and going more defensive this weekend. I mean, also it's like, you're obviously going to start Ronaldo and Greenwood, but then like, Mm -hmm. what else, what other attacker would you start? Like, I think Cavani should get a chance to start, but it doesn't look like Ole has really any intention of playing Edison Cavani right now. No, I think, I think Cavani's not in shape. I think, I think he came back from his vacation and he was enjoying some alcoholic beverages. Good for him. I'm in. He's had yeah, a long, he's, long, long. He's career. like thirty-four. He's just like fuck it. I'm gonna go they, back to Argentina. No, they brought in, they brought in Ronaldo. They brought in Ronaldo, forced him to give up the number seven shirt. Yeah, so he's like, you know what? I'm just gonna collect the salary this year and watch from the sidelines. <laughs> Good for him. I, mean, I don't have yeah. anything against that. Uh, um, I don't think we need to go. Through. I think I'd play. I think I'd play Sancho in Greenwood. Um, because I need. But I, so need Sancho play. did play. He started against West Ham in the Carabao Cup. Mm-hmm. Didn't really do jack shit. Like he looked, he looked energetic. He's looked better than he's looked in. A while. My issue with Sancho is, um, everyone in the Bundesliga and like all the pundits, like who kind of cover the Bundesliga, always raved about like the thing that everyone was so excited about Sancho is his ability to, to take guys on one on one. And I don't know if it's a lack of confidence. But I've like yet to see him really even attempt to take guys on one on one at Manchester United. Um, it's only been seven games. I think it's a confidence issue, really. I think like he didn't really play that much for England. Obviously, you had the final. He didn't play. Was brought on to take a penalty, missed a penalty, and then goes straight into you know joining Manchester United and hasn't had a great start. So like, I mean, his confidence can't be super high right now. I think in a way he's going to benefit from having Rashford come back and be fully into the team because he and Rashford are pretty close and they play similar type of games. 
So I think it'll be they're like good to have them on opposite sides of the field. They're like best friends, but it also could be a situation where they're like directly competing for a starting position. No, because I think once Rashford comes in, he's on the left and that's his position. And we'll finally have we can finally put Sancho where he's actually been signed to play, which is at the I mean, right for wing. me though, I like right now, I mean obviously things could change, but I could not in my like right mind drop Mason Greenwood for Jane Sancho right now. I would agree to disagree. Just for the width. Just just for the width. Just just so that you have another option to swing the ball in. I think he can create more than uh, Greenwood can. He yep. might not score as he can, might not score, but I don't. We haven't really. I mean, you got Ronaldo in the box, so yeah, we're always gonna have to cross that bridge when we get there and that's, when Rashford yeah, returns. Yeah, decision. I'm glad I don't have to make it. <laughs> yeah, that's why they don't pay us the big bucks to. Uh, <laughs> that's to exactly right. Yeah, uh, but we're not gonna go through every game for match week six. Um, but there's two other big. I, there's four really big games uh, for me, and the next one is Liverpool at Brentford. I think that this could be a very, very interesting game. Uh, Liverpool, obviously, Anfield is pretty much a fortress, in my opinion. But Liverpool traveling to Brentford, uh, Brentford has like an electric home environment. Um, and they could give Liverpool some problems. They could. Love, I'm that'll be, be a inter- fun game to watch. Yeah, yeah I'm going to be interested to see Ivan Tony going one-on-one versus Van Dyke Because Tony is like, Tony is a physical dude. Like, mm-hmm. he is not going to back down to Van Dyke. Um, so mm-hmm. that should be really interesting. But on Sunday, other than the Manchester United game, this is my most anticipated game of the weekend. This one isn't super important in terms of the Premier League table, in my opinion. But it's one of the biggest rivalries in all of world football, world soccer, especially in the Premier League. And that is the North London Derby with Arsenal hosting Tottenham at the Emirates Stadium in London, and that should be a fun one. It should be. Those fans hate each other. They fucking hate each other. Like <laughs> it is the rivalry is like for those who haven't really aren't that like big of fans of the Premier League, haven't really followed it that much. Like Arsenal Tottenham, like the rivalry is very, very intense. Like it is I have a, I have a fun little antidote on that. So back in nineteen ninety nine, um Manchester United was playing to win the uh, the Premier League, and it was down to Arsenal and United. United played Tottenham at the end of the season, and they had to get a draw or win the game. And Tottenham scores the goal <laughs> against United, and so that would have sent uh, Arsenal through. And all the Tottenham fans didn't cheer. They were just like, <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, they don't, they don't the want to see Arsenal win the title. Like, <laughs> I mean, the hatred is like, it's very, very real. Like, yeah. And the rivalries there are like so intense. Like, we've got like Auburn, Alabama, like those kind of rivalries over here. And like, I don't know what your opinion is. Like, I think like rivalries like Arsenal, Tottenham, it's just like the hatred is on another level. It's different because it's like, it's so close. Yeah, they don't like, have anything in American sports that is that close. Like you in North London, like you could legitimately have like a family where the father is like a massive Arsenal fan, mm-hmm. and you know his wife grew up as a massive Tottenham fan. Yeah, and it's just like, and they probably won't speak or like definitely can't be in the same vicinity watching the North London derby while like, the game's on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, kind of the last thing I want to say about this game though is that the loser of this game is going to be in deep, deep shit. If Tottenham loses, that would be three straight losses for Tottenham, which, like, bad. Like, obviously, big cause for concern. And then Arsenal, like, obviously, got two back-to-back wins, but it was against Burnley and Norwich. So you kind of got to take that with a, a grain of salt. And I think if Arsenal loses this game... I mean, all the Arsenal fans are going to be calling for Arteta to be fired again. Like, it's just, <laughs> that's the reality of the situation. I mean, they're playing at home, too. It's at the Emirates. So, like, if Arsenal oh, loses. Oh, gosh. If they lose in front of their fans. They're the, they're going to be on, like, the fans are going to oh, put I'm so much pressure on the club for them to fire the manager. Um, be yeah, the Tottenham. I, mean, <laughs> I think that's all we got to say about match week six. Uh, so, obviously, the last few weeks, like, after we finished up talking about soccer, We've talked about American football, uh, but I wanted to go like before we wrap up the episode, I want to have like a fun little conversation. 
and not talk about sports for once. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm obviously a huge movie guy. You're a pretty big movie guy. And mm-hmm. we're wrapping up September here. We're about to roll in October. And this upcoming October is a huge month for movie releases. Um, so, yeah, I just kind of want to. Well, first, I just want to ask you, like, have you watched any good like movies or TV shows lately? Like anything that like really stood out to you or caught your mind? Like um, that you would highly recommend to anyone listening to this episode? Yeah. For more artistic mo- mo- movie bu- viewers, I would say The Green Knight. Um, it was really good. Sir Gawain, was, shout out, uh, Mr. Yeah. Covington from St. <laughs> yeah, uh, that movie like, was really good. It was a cool movie. Um, I liked it a lot. I haven't um, seen it, but like I wanted to watch it. So for those who don't know, uh, we read that book, I think, in sophomore year of high school. Um, I didn't remember anything from the book, but the movie was really good. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's funny. Uh, any good TV shows? Hmm. Not really. I'm rewatching Succession right now because that's coming back I out in October. Love Succession, yeah, like wonderful, yeah, so wonderful I can't show. Wait. And I started a new Netflix show called You, which is really creepy. It's about this that one's guy. That one out for a while. I, I watched like yeah. the first five or six episodes. I don't know okay. if I'm going to keep watching it. Kind of creeps me out. Yeah, it makes you it's feel like very. It's one of those things. <laughs> of watching it, especially as a guy, you're like yeah. watching it and just highly uncomfortable (laughs) highly uncomfortable (laughs) yeah so i don't know if i'm going to continue watching that but that's kind of where i've been at yeah i mean how about you um we talked about this with some of our our friends shout out aj nick bennett wyatt um Mm -hmm. i'm not a huge horror movie fan but there was a new movie that came out recently called malignant um i fucked with it like i really liked it uh it's kind of like a horror thriller i won't kind of um spoil it but like it's just a super like i've i've never seen a movie that's like even anywhere like comparable to that one so i just think like the uniqueness of it is maybe why i liked it so much but i would highly recommend malignant um if i you have like. no interest in watching it just because i don't like horror movies but one of the girls in my office really liked it she said the movie was really slow until about the last 30 minutes and then it got really wild oh it gets fucked like <laughs> wild is an understatement Clark. like i'll just say that um but i'm not like a huge tv show guy um but i did watch uh recently on netflix a movie called miss sloan have you seen that Mm-mm. it's kind of like a, a dc like um drama about like lobbyist and like lobbying is really fucking good is that with Jessica Chastain? It is. The redhead? It is so yeah. fucking good. Like, yeah. I love that. I've been thinking about watching that. It just yeah. looked really liberal to I picked, me, so. I picked those two movies. Just, It's actually about uh, gun lobbying. About, like, the, okay. the fucking NRA and that kind of stuff. Really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's actually, like, pretty unbiased. Like, it shits on both sides of the aisle, which I kind That's of good. appreciated. Okay. Then I'll watch it. Um, yeah. But... I do want to talk about upcoming movie releases on in October. Um, and the first movie, like first big movie releasing on October 1st is the Man- many saints of Newark, uh, Sopranos prequel. And boy, am I fired up and excited about this one. Yeah. I didn't know about it till today and it did, looks amazing. Sean, did you watch Sopranos? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. I watched, I, I watched the first couple seasons, but I didn't finish it. Yeah. Um, so, I had never watched it before at the start of the pandemic. I watched the whole show. And mm-hmm. in my opinion, The Sopranos is like, without a doubt, the greatest television show of all time. Mm-hmm. Like the first two seasons of that show are unbelievable. Like fantastic. If you haven't seen it, stop what you're doing. Go watch The Sopranos. <laughs> um, I'm fired up about the prequel. David Chase, who like wrote and directed The Sopranos, is writing and directing it. But there is a part of me that's like scared and nervous that they're going to fuck it up. Yeah. They'd be really easy like, to mess up. Yeah. Cause the TV show is so good. So it's like, it's my a, it's, first thought. My first thought when you told me about it was, why are they doing that? I don't, I, it's just for money. I mean, I understand why they're doing it. They know it, how many people have watched the yeah, Sopranos over the years. I just think for the lore of the show, I, I wouldn't do it, but yeah. I, I commend them for trying. And if it's great, then I'll eat my words, but, yeah, but I mean, either way, super excited to watch it. Um, but the following week, second week of October, we got 
I know you and I are both huge, huge James God, Bond fans. I can't wait. I cannot and wait. No Time to Die, the final James Bond movie starring Daniel Dan- Craig yeah. releases. Um, yeah, I mean, the excitement for this one, like, it's been pushed back so many times. and I don't even care if it's bad. I just want to fucking see it already. Okay, I do want to mention that real quick. I am a little skeptical um, just from, like, the trailers and stuff. So, obviously, uh, the dude who played... I am too. I think it's going to be the worst of the the four movies so I, I still can't wait i can't think of his name off the top of my head right now but the dude who played freddie mercury um oh, in God, bohemian yeah. rhapsody is the villain yeah. have you have you seen yeah, the trailer no, he looks like a fucking zombie yeah, yeah i am like i'm highly highly skeptical of him as a villain like even in like the trailers like his voice it's just like not scary it seems like so kind of like remy malik yeah remy malik it seems like he's like I think he's supposed to be Dr. Like, no, is that right? I don't yeah, think they've released that, like, but I think that's kind of like the, know. it's like Dr. Who or Dr. No or something. Um, but I am skeptical of him as a villain, but nevertheless, I mean, last James Bond movie with Daniel Craig can't, can't fucking wait to see it. And I'm probably going to go see it the night or the day after it releases. Like for me, it's just, I cannot wait. Yeah. Uh, who do you think is going to be the next James Bond? I know, I know they haven't really. I hope it's Tom Hardy. I really want it to be Tom Hardy. It should be because he's not, like he English. He, and he don't want to do it, but I really want him to. I heard that like they're probably going to uh, they want to get a black guy uh, for obvious reasons. Um, That's fine. I think whatever. I've heard like uh, Idris Elba. No, he's too old. Yeah, well, he's I mean, not going to do it. Yeah, I don't know. I think I mean. The guy you said, Tom Hardy, like it seems like that would be a pretty easy. It's transition. a perfect role for him. It's like literally perfect. Yeah, I mean he's British. But I just he's obviously I, in great I shape. I think he's got he's like he does a lot of indie movies, and he can't do any movie well, indie we're gonna, movies. Once we're going to talk about him in a second because he has a movie releasing in October. That's going to be a big one. Mm-hmm. But moving on, uh, I think like October fifteenth, we have Halloween Kills releasing. I know Clark is not a big horror fan. Nope, not but gonna see it. I am super, super fired up to see Halloween Kills. Uh, so they did like a reboot of Halloween, and the first one came out in like 2018, 2019. Like they've done a shit ton of reboots. These, this is the like confirmed the last like spinoff, the last reboot of it. But the first one, or like the first installment of the reboot, they're doing three, was great. Like it was fantastic. Like great reviews, great movie. I really enjoyed it. So I'm pretty fired up to see this one. And like for me, when a when a Halloween movie, like a new Halloween movie releases around Halloween time, like I always go see it just because, I mean, it just kind of gets me in the, the spooky mood. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's Halloween time. Go see Halloween in the movie theaters. It's not going to disappoint. Um, but I think on the same day, actually, we have Venom 2. I think it's called Let There Be Carnage releasing. Uh, did you see the first Venom movie? I did. Um I didn't I'm love not it. Really, I'm not fired up about it. I'm more of a Marvel person. Um, I, he's technically part of Marvel, but he's not part of the MCU. So I don't really have any interest in seeing yeah, this next one like either. A standalone uh, Marvel movie. Uh, yeah. What's the guy? Woody Harrelson is playing Carnage. He's going to be the bad guy, like the villain. Um, I'll probably I'll probably watch it when it's not in theaters. Yeah, I probably like, drop on Disney it, Plus like, or something. Yeah, I'll definitely end up watching it. I mean, it's going to be that one of all the movies we're talking about. That one's going to make the most money at the box office. Like, it's no Bond will. I don't like. I, think I don't the, think the I don't think Venom Marvel, sells. I think the first Venom didn't make that much money when it came out. I think you're wrong. I think the first one like fucking killed it. I could be wrong, but oh. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it fucking eight, killed it, didn't it? Yeah, it made eight hundred fifty-six million dollars. Yeah, all right, I'll I mean, shut up. It's just like the Marvel also has like in terms of movie, like the like the hype and like marketing train they have is just like unbelievable. Um, yeah, I need to go see Shang Chi. I want to see that. The Legend of like one? the Seven Rings, or the whatever. Five Rings, Ten Rings, or whatever it is. I think there's yeah, also a Marvel that. movie called Eternals that's releasing. Um, this year i don't think it's in october but that looks good too yeah and then the the last kind of big movie this is releasing i think 
the last weekend of October, and that is Dune. Um, I'm fired up to see Dune. I cannot wait. Like, um, I I read the book this summer, and it's got me all fired up. I cannot wait. It's a two part movie because the book's really long, and I was wondering how they were going to do that. So they're going to do it in two installments. Yeah, but so it looks really, really good. Um, so obviously, I think that they that they did Dune. There is like a older Dune movie from the 1980s, I believe. It's shit. Um, no need to watch it. But Venice Villain a Wave is, um, he's directing it, and I think it's very promising. I mean, he did Arrival. Um, which is the movie I loved. He did Sicario, which obviously fucking loves Sicario. One of my favorite movies of all time. Um, and he also did the Blade Runner 2049, which came out a few years ago, oh, which I thought I was didn't great. know that. Yeah, that was a, that was a good movie. A lot of the, it got a lot of bad <laughs> press because they made Anna de Armour's basically a sex doll, which is <laughs> unfortunate, but the cinematography. <laughs> yeah. That's why I can't wait to see no time to die. Um, but the cinematography in uh, 2049 was really, really good. Yeah, and obviously, like, Dune is very, like, it's sci-fi. So, like, the visuals and, like, they have trailers out. I mean, the trailer looks unbelievable. There's also just, so like... fucking th- good. The cast, too. Like, the amount of stars that they have in that movie is outrageous. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to be a fucking Jason Momoa is going to die early, by the way. Just to let you know. I'm going to ruin that for you. All right, and well, for all Clark the listeners, already, already out here spoiling the <laughs> fucking movie before it even releases. Um, Forgot we had the listeners for yeah. a second there. Also, before we finish <laughs> the movie talk, <laughs> that uh, I believe that there's a a Jake Gyllenhaal movie coming to Netflix at the beginning of October called The Guilty, um, mm-hmm. which I'm pretty excited about. Just I'm a huge Jake Gyllenhaal fan personally. Like ever since I saw Nightcrawler, like I just fucking love love Jake Gyllenhaal. I think he's a great actor, um, but. It's going on pretty long, so I think it's time for us to wrap up the episode and do our ass clowns and stars, baby. Let's do it. All right. Um, I think you want to start off? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Should Should I go star first or ass clown first? Ass clown. All right. So I got two. My first one is. Um. So you're gonna have to bear with me here for a second. So Henry Lansbury um, is a player for Luton Town in the championship, the second division of English Premier League, or the second division of English football. Um, and he had an absolutely outrageous tackle against Swansea City this past weekend. Ha- did you see it? Mm-hmm. Here, I'm about to tag you on this on Twitter because you got to fucking watch this. So Henry Lansbury is the one who committed the tackle, and he is an ass clown for committing the tackle. But even more so than him, the referee who went to VAR and decided that this was only a yellow card is an even bigger ass clown. Yeah. So this is a yellow card. So Henry Lansbury, the man who committed the tackle, he's an ass clown and the referee is an even bigger ass clown. So just watch this for a second, Clark. (laughs) A yellow card. (laughs) Oh, that is perfect. Holy shit. <laughs> they went There's, to VAR and gave him a yellow card. I like the best parts when he lifts up his hands like, what? What? What the fuck? I didn't do anything. That's when, when I said VAR was drunk in England this past weekend. VAR was fucking drunk. Um, but yeah, anyone who hasn't seen this, like Google Luton Town versus Swansea Tackle. Or oh my god! The guy's name Henry Lansbury, just fucking outrageous. Like you can't. I, I'm not even gonna try to describe the tackle. You just gotta watch it for yourself. Um, and my second ass clown is Ronald Koeman, who I believe is currently still manager of Barcelona. Um, but he yes, is, he is. A, he is an ass clown. Oh, I saw this last week before that they played before they played Bayern Munich. Uh, he came out in a press conference and caused a big stir because he. This is a quote. He said that Barcelona only has a future because of me. Mm-hmm. So he said that Barcelona only has a future because he is the manager and because of him. And they were absolutely torn apart by Bayern Munich. Um, and they have, I think, subsequently lost 
or drew both of their games in La Liga. And it is essentially, I guess, he is, Barcelona has informed him that he is being let go from the club. So a week ago, (laughs) he said that Barcelona has a future only because he is at the club. And this week, Barcelona has decided that Ronald Koeman will not be a part of Barcelona's future. (laughs) So he is an arrogant ass clown. Yes, that's a good one. Um, But who is going to be Clark O'Brien's ass clown of the week? It's not as good as yours. You had two really good ones. Well, I mean, that that tackle, like when I saw that. That's hilarious. I mean, holy fuck. Like (laughs) Mine, I'm not going to beat a dead horse, but mine was David Moyes for throwing out Mark Noble at the end of the game without a kick in the ball, uh, without kicking the ball yet. And Mark Noble coming out there and high-fiving everyone like he's already won the game. (laughs) Like, maybe don't do that. Maybe just try to go kick the ball before you start high-fiving people. When are these managers going to learn, man? Yeah. Southgate did it this summer. Yep. Moyes, he must not have been watching that Euro that Euro 2020 final. <laughs> must not. It's too tired. All right, so who's your star for the week? Jesse. Yep. Coming back. Yep. Firing in a goal. A gorgeous goal, by the way. And just really just shutting up all his haters. Redemption for Jesse. I mean, yeah. no other way to put it. I think you could also go uh, De Gea there for saving the penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, that mm-hmm. ended up securing the win. Um, his I'll second to, in 41 attempts. Yeah. His second save in 41 <laughs> attempts. He shit at it. I was like, when that happened, I was sitting there watching it. My mom walked in. She's like, what are you screaming about? And I was like, oh, well, we just lost the game. So, <laughs> yeah. Remember remember the, Euro, the Euro, Europa League final last year. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But, so, yeah, I think you could have gone Lingard or De Gea. For, for mine, I got two guys I want to shout out real quick. I'll do this quick. Uh, Mike Edwards, uh, safety for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, got two pick sixes off Matt Ryan on back-to-back plays this past weekend. Just a fucking ball hawk. Got to give him a shout out. And then my other star of the week is the, in my opinion, the greatest rapper alive, Mr. T.O.P., otherwise known as NBA Youngboy. Clark, I don't think you know much, if anything, about rap music. But in my opinion, he's the greatest rapper alive. Uh, free my guy. He's currently locked up. Um, oh, however, that's a shame. He is my star because he has a new album releasing tonight, and I am fired the fuck up. You know, the past few weeks, everyone's <laughs> talking about Drake this, Kanye that. Well, Drake and Kanye can both kiss my ass because young boy, as they say in Atlanta, young or not in Atlanta, but I saw a billboard in Atlanta, young boy better. That's all I got to say. <laughs> All right. Another All right, let's wrap this up. Yep. So we are officially on Apple Podcasts, finally. Um, this episode might not come up at the same time as the other ones, but we are on there on Apple Podcasts. We do have a subscribe button and a rate five stars button and a comment button. So feel free to give us good reviews and give us those five stars. It really helps also, us get notified. Before you stop recording real quick. Mm-hmm. So we put this podcast out through Anchor, and on Anchor, mm-hmm. you can like see a geographic location of our listeners. And I just want to give a shout out because our last episode, episode three, Mid-Table Banter has officially gone international. Oh, hey, hey. I don't know who. I don't know if you know anyone who currently lives in Hesse, Germany. Oh, uh, no, I don't. But someone from Hesse, Germany... Hess. Listened, it's Hess. I think Hess. it's Hess. Whatever, whatever the hell you want to say. Listen to episode three. <laughs> so this is podcast officially international. So fuck all the haters. I mean, yeah. All right. Um, we will talk to you all next week. Thank you. Adios.